to Navigating Change, the education podcast from Tybal Inc. I'm Pete Wright, and I'm right here with Tower Tybal. Um, <laughs> you are the mindful leader. <laughs> I'm so excited about where you are. I see all I see are lotus petals. Um, yeah, and that's not a sleeping noise. That's really that's a mindfulness <laughs> that I I picked up. What are we talking about today, Pete? You gotta hey, this is all you, man. You come back to me inspired. You bring notes and pages and pages of notes, and you say this is it. This is the next great subject area. We're going to be talking uh, a lot about strategic leadership in a, a three-part conversation. We've broken this up into three parts, and, and our objective here is to give you uh, solid uh, tools that you can use and new ways to approach strategic communication that will hopefully help you with your own teams. Is that about it? Yes, Obi-Wan. Excellent. So part one here, we're talking about being a strategic communicator. What is that? I've been talking about this now for probably three years, had so much opportunity to speak on this. Here's what I'll start off by saying. Most of us, if we're not paying attention, do a pretty lousy job around this. I don't care what level you are. If you're at the top of the food chain, no matter what your work is, it is hard to do this because it forces something which is reversing the way we normally think. And it's this fundamental idea that if you're trying to influence others, I mean that's the that's the premise behind being a strategic communicator. If you're trying to influence others, people do not care what you want to do. They care why you want to do it. And if you were to really dig into that that statement you then need to understand why you want to do it and why they should care. It, it doesn't matter what we want to talk about. What matters is, is whether the people you're trying to influence are moved by it. And when you force yourself to start thinking about that, you have to rethink everything when it comes to how you're going to deliver a message. This is what strikes me, because I think, uh, you know, as we've talked about strategic communication before, we've talked about why before, uh, where does the pain point hit? My hunch is it hits because as leaders, we step in front of a group and we know very clearly what we're going to do. And we have a very keen idea with how we want our teams to rally and do it. We know how to do this thing. Uh, but even in very good communities, we often haven't sat down as leaders and thought about the why ourselves. Is that a fair assumption? Yes. And I think that it's also because it's the difference between one-way and two-way communication. Talk about that. What does that mean? I have a message to deliver to you. And I'm going to deliver it one way. The two-way communication is what's coming back. Right, right. The reason people don't communicate strategically is because we go into a conversation with a wealth of having thought about it already. We, we already have this private understanding of the why, or we don't, but we think we have that understanding. And we just assume if we deliver the message, people will get the inspiration behind it, when in fact, all they're left with is, I understand what you want to do. I do not understand or I'm not moved by and inspired by why you want to do it. So let's say that you have to give a talk in front of faculty. You've been thinking about it for weeks. You're, you're working on the materials. You get in front of them and next thing you know, you're telling a story and leaving out the, the, what it took you to actually develop that story. 
right? Hmm. If you force yourself to thinking about to thinking about the engagement, if you force yourself to say, I'm more interested in what they would say if I was to stop talking and say, all right, so what do you think? And if, if, if what you laid out doesn't engage them and provoke them to be able to jump in and say, here's a question, or I disagree, or I'm with, you have not effectively found a way to turn your conversation from what I want you to know to how I want to engage you. But let's walk through a specific example. Can we, can, it's something that you have, have worked on in the past where you have this, this key message and we walk through this, this idea of how you actually take a key message and put it in a place or manage that discussion in a way that inspires buy-in. There are three components to turning this around so that people are inspired by your message and you can engage them. First is to ask the question why they should care, and that's fundamentally what's your key message. The second thing is who you're trying to influence, and that should be baked into your thinking about what you're going to raise. And the third thing is, what do I need them to focus on? Not what do I want them to focus on, but what do I need them to focus on based on my key message, who's in front of me, and the thing I'm trying to get them to be involved in. So let's 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 take a higher ed example, and this also could relate to an independent school or or a K through twelve example. Sure. Independence, retention, right? Oh, it's a delicious one. Yeah. Retention is a subset of the bigger conversation around student success, and let's say that our key message is we need all hands on deck to impact student retention. We want to move student retention from whatever percentages it is right now, from let's say our freshman to our sophomore, or sophomore to junior, from 60 to 75% or from 50 to 8, whatever the percentage is. So we have a metric that we want to move this. That key message, it doesn't tell us how, it doesn't tell us what, it lays out that there is a compelling thing that I'm looking for all of you to ask yourselves, what is your relationship to this? We need all hands on deck to impact student retention. That's my key message. And everything I'm going to talk about is going to focus on that. So now, who are we trying to influence? In an academic environment, you could be talking to the faculty. You could be talking to the administration and finance group. You could be talking to students. You could be talking to trustees. Let's We can keep an enrollment management, whatever, whatever mindset or focus a different group has. Each one of those groups has a different thing that they care about around that or they can actually do. So let's take faculty, for example. If my key message is we need all hands on deck to impact student retention and I'm in front of faculty, the question I'd be asking is to engage them is what's your role in this? What's very interesting about faculty and retention, just to digress for one second, is faculty want to teach exceptional students. Right? Right. They also are willing to teach students who are good, but they're frustrated by teaching students or engaging students who are unprepared. Right. And more and more students are coming in with some foundational skills not there yet. Part of retention is faculty saying or or having faculty say, we have a role to play to help shepherd them through as opposed to you're not cutting it. 
right? right. Now, right. notice I started with what's your role, not telling them what their role is. In my back pocket, I have a view of what that is. So key message, student retention, faculty, what's your role? If it's finance, I'm going to be thinking very differently about this. I want to know what does the data tell us about student retention? The finance folks, the uh, the institutional research folks have that information. So if I'm in front of finance folks, I am thinking more specifically to their mindset around the students. I'm having a different conversation if I'm in front of students on student retention. I want to know what you're not getting. Right, right. Right. Now, here's what's interesting. This all makes perfect sense when I lay it out, right? But here's what happens in real life. We put together our student retention PowerPoint deck and we travel the circuit regardless of who's in front of us and tell the same story. And the audience is sitting there and some may be engaged, but I promise you, because you're not thinking about who's out there, you are not engaging everybody. Right. They're all walking away with a very keen and explicit understanding of why you think this is important. Right. Very good. Exactly. It's like, okay, I see why this is your issue, but because you didn't make it my issue, right? Right. See, for trustees, as much as they know this, saying it's powerful, it's like, all right, trustees, we're losing unnecessary revenue. It's easier to keep students than to get new ones, right? Mm -hmm. So making a compelling statement like that and then saying, all right, What's your view on this? What would you like to see happen? Now, what's interesting about this is it's usually the trustees that are driving that message. It's not internal leaders. I mean, leadership or even internal uh, sort of those who are doing the jobs because the, the people that are doing the work, and this is part of the problem, Pete, is that we are so spending our time these days putting out fires mm -hmm. that we do not make the time to have these kinds of conversations in advance of having to get up and trying to influence others. And then we walk away going, or we're surprised that people are not rallying behind our message. We've got to find a way to put markers in our calendar, because the calendar drives everything these days for mm -hmm. everybody, that we're going to take the time to ask these questions, but reverse it. Why, who, and then what? And that's it. Well, it sounds so simple when you do it. What's interesting, it has gotten easier for me, and it's because I've practiced it. It wasn't easy for me initially. I think the difference here is I have practiced putting on the hat. I care less what people think that I know, and I care much more about what they're taking away. And because I've been practicing that, I've been seeing the what the difference in how people engage with me in a dialogue than if I was to come in with my 25-slide deck PowerPoint with bullet points just telling, spewing data and information. You've lost them on the second slide. I am more interested in, 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 in giving as little information as possible so I can spend more time seeing what the mindset is out there. See, the thing yeah. about giving a presentation or a talk is that you can't start off by saying, good morning. Uh, so what do you guys want to talk about? You have to give them something. Right, right, right. But you got to give them so much less than you think you do. So let me tell you three big mistakes. That people, then we're going to wrap this up. We'll wrap it up. Tell me the big three mistakes. First mistake is thinking that what you know matters. What matters is what people hear and what they're taking away. 
Now, for some people, they spent a whole lifetime and career about building up what I know matters. And I'm not saying, I mean, that's what gets you in the door. If you got a PhD, people are going to come in, they're going to come on to hear what you have to think, say, and so on. That's all good. But in the end, you want to engage people, what you know doesn't matter. What matters is what the listening is out there and how you engage them. And and the ideal, right, is that at some point you'll reach a point of convergence. Yes. Where where what you know is what you're able to communicate and what they hear. That's They're great. all the same, right? That's, That's the goal. Right. That's right. And and the second mistake is thinking that they need to hear everything. This goes back to why you're looking at who you're trying to influence, why that's such that's an important right. discussion. And and starting with your key message, because your key message should drive what you talk about, not talk about a bunch of stuff, and then hopefully you've got a key message. The third big mistake is underestimating how much your mood has more impact than the words that you say. How you show up to engage a group, your passion, your your desire to engage them has more influence than the content and the words you're saying. So don't underestimate that in some ways you've got to get it up for inspiring others by showing in your own style your passion for what you're doing. Very important conversation. Uh, to have in how you have that conversation. This is good stuff. So where do we go from here? What is uh, What are we going to talk about next week? If strategic communication is a starting point, one strategy, and we're going to talk about the strategy that I've been working on with teams, is this idea of headlining. How do you synthesize an idea from the point of view of helping people develop a simple story. In some sense, it takes the key message concepts and makes it real and with some specific things you can do with your teams. Excellent. Excellent. So that's coming in the next episode here uh, of Navigating Change. Thank you, everybody, for downloading and listening as ever. You can head over to tybalink.com to learn more about our work in education. Push the blue button right there on the homepage. You can subscribe to the show for free, and we'll let you know each time a new episode is released. Next time, headlining your success. On behalf of Howard Teibel, I'm Pete Wright. Catch you next time on Navigating Change, the education podcast from Teibel Inc.